Welcome to the next episode of First Generation. I'm Darian Shirazi, and I'm fortunate to be interviewing some of the best entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley and the world, uh, mostly talking to people that are either immigrants or first generation. Uh, today, we have Tommy Dang, who is the founder of Mage.ai. As a disclaimer, uh, I am an investor in the company, and today he announced his uh, seed round, so we thought it would be a good opportunity to bring him on the show to tell us a little bit about his career, his upbringing, where he came from, and some of the things that he, he brings to, to American culture through his, uh, through his family. So, Tommy, maybe tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and then a little bit about your career. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Darian. I'm super excited. And, you know, this topic is really, really important to me because, uh, oh, well, a little bit about myself. Hey, hello, everyone. I'm, my name is Tommy Dang. I grew up in the Bay Area. So I grew up in California. I, I went to school in Berkeley, lived in San Diego for a bit. So lived all up and down California. But now, you know, came back to the Bay Area about seven years ago. And my my family, my mom, she's from Vietnam. And it's a really crazy story how she came over here, but she came over here with uh, with my older brother and then my older sister and myself were, were born here. So we're U.S. citizens, but, you know, it was just just a couple years before uh, I, I was born or my sister was born. My mom was all the way in Vietnam and during some really hard times as well that we can dig deep into. But a little bit about my career, I, I went to Berkeley uh, studying political science you know and then after going i was gonna <laughs> wow what was that i didn't know that because you you're you're, you're a, a programmer but you studied poli sci that's awesome <laughs> yes yes so okay I, I was gonna always be a lawyer because i love intellectual debates and then okay actually you know what i'm starting to think even more so some some really great opportunities we have in america but but basically you know back then do you know what entrepreneurial was you know you know as as an asian american your 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 family tells you to be a doctor be a dentist or be a lawyer <laughs> yes same thing in persian culture same thing in persian <laughs> culture for me <laughs> that's awesome and yeah, so I, I, I went to did political science. And then when I was at school, I thought, you know, this, this isn't as interesting as I thought. And I was always, always into computers. I was so fortunate that my, my mom, you know, she was a single mother raising three children. And I remember in sixth grade, she got us a computer and then we had dial up free internet. Do you remember those AOL CDs? Okay. I don't know who's, who's, who's this? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, we had a lot of those, those net zeros. So I was fortunate to have that, and I was playing around with the computer at a very early age. But I didn't get into programming because, you know, none of my – my mom, you know, she, she has other friends that immigrated over to America. So you, you kind of hang around with the same different types of people. And uh, those the, – the, the children that I was hanging – we didn't know too much about engineering and things like that. So, you know, we, we played around with the computer. But so in college, I got more exposed to – programming and coding and i just did that for fun but as my as my when i studied i actually studied interdisciplinary study fields and again for everyone that went to berkeley that basically means you chose nothing because you end up just <laughs> yes you know you know so, so you just yeah. end up choosing a bunch of different things and then after i graduated i i moved to san diego and i started working on an idea uh, uh, called flashing deals it was basically remember when living social groupon slick deals all that was huge 
So I, so I started building something out there and that was my yeah. first uh, bite at entrepreneurship. And that was really exciting. And then I kept, I kept working on just coding a bunch of different things and eventually met my co-founder for another startup called On My Block. We help students find off-campus housing. And so we worked on that down in San Diego, moved up to the Bay Area in 2014. And this, is, this, is, this part's really cool. Our, our lead investor was, was John Ruzzatello, who's now the CEO of Unity. From the founder of uh, yes, Unity. Yes. Yeah, the CEO of yes. Unity. So yeah. this is crazy. So he had an extra home in Woodside, California. It was on seven, it was on nine acres. And he said, okay, you and your co-founder, so Morgan was my co-founder, move up to the Bay Area and that's your office and that's where you're going to live. And like, okay, let's do it. So... <laughs> So we moved. Typical Silicon Valley story. Yes, it was. It was really awesome. There are some crazy stories. I don't know if I can share on this, but I'll share with you some other time. Uh, the next version of this. But you know, we we worked out of there. We grew the team with over twenty people. It was super fun for two years. We ended up shutting it down and returning a little more than half of what we raised, just because we pivoted to an idea that we just weren't excited about. And then that's when I joined Airbnb. I joined early on in 2015. I got to work very closely with Brian. We launched the Airbnb experiences. And then uh, for the next three years that I was there, uh, sorry, I was there for five years, uh, I, myself and my co-founder, we worked on this internal tool at Airbnb, this internal developer tool that's been used by th- over a thousand people there and hundreds of developers. And then, and then after that, shortly after that, you know, we left to start Mage. Wow, that's, that's quite the story, quite the story. But I want to go back and talk a little bit about your mom. I want to hear about, I think everyone wants to hear about uh, some of the, you shared with me over text, some of the tough times that she went through getting out of Vietnam and what that was like. So maybe share that story with us. I mean, it's, it's really amazing to see how much hardship people go through to get to the, to America. And I, I admire that. And I think a lot of other people admire it. So let's hear, maybe tell a little bit about your mom's story. Yes, I would love to. And, and what, I, what I share is what she ha- was able to muster up to even share to me because it's even hard for her. Yeah, you mentioned. Yes, she, it's even hard for her yeah. to talk about it in bits and pieces. And I also hear some from my, my older brother and things like that. But so my mom, she, she, has, she comes from a huge family back in Vietnam, in, in, in Saigon, South Vietnam, and a huge family. She has tons of brothers, tons of sisters, and she's the oldest one. So she was taking, she was like a mom to all of them as well. But it was around, I forget one, but the, the peak of the, of the Vietnam War, her, herself, her then husband, and my older brother, who's older than me by nine years, his name is Danny, they, they got on a, a, a refugee boat, like so many others. And you just basically hope you, other people land wow. at different places and you just hope you just get out and who knows where you end up landing like some people might land in Cambodia some people land in the Philippines wherever right and so I'm honestly so thankful we landed somewhere in the U.S. but that was super fortunate for us and lucky but but even the trip there was was really intense so um I learned this from actually my older brother uh uh, not directly from my mom that her her then husband on that trip he 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 died crossing over, and my mom. You know, there she. I heard from her like there there's lots of pirates wow. because there's just a bunch of people who are just sitting on a boat drifting, and you know who's protecting them. So that that was very scary for her, and she was always afraid of the water because this was super traumatic. And so I remember, I remember when I was a child, or 
our, our, our family. She made all of us do tons of swimming, these private swim courses, uh, go into private clubs. And I was like, why, why is she so obsessed <laughs> with us swimming? And then I learned that it's because she didn't know how to swim and she was over water for months and that she wanted her children to, you know, she basically wanted us to overcome the fear that she had. And so that was, yes. Wow. And that, you know, that's quite, quite similar to MIT, you know, MIT to graduate you need to be able to swim because the, the founder or one of the deans was so terrified because their, their son had almost drowned. And so he instituted that test. And it's amazing how these fears cause us to pass these things on to the next generation, you know? So that's interesting. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. And you know, she, she came over and then when she came over, she, she had nothing. She didn't speak English at all. And, um, she was with my older brother just by herself, you know, all her family's over in Vietnam. And what's really, really awesome is she eventually met this lady named Vivian Dilly, who I call her grandma. She's actually the grandma that I know. And and she's American, Vivian Dilly. She's American. And she took my mom in and brought her, um, I took her, introduced her to the community, uh, taught, showed her the traditions of America and really helped her get assimilated. And she was there when I was born, when my sister was born. So my grandma has been in our, in our family ever since for 30 plus years, or maybe even 40 plus years. And so, and I'm super thankful for her because, you know, my mom came over. She didn't know what Christmas was. She didn't know what Thanksgiving was, July 4th, all these things. And I remember so clearly all every single year, all my holidays, all my birthdays, all my Christmases was with my grandma. And so I really had a great upbringing of, of, of American traditions because of my American grandma taking my mom in. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. And, and so growing up, you know, where, where did you grow up? And what were some of the traditions that you still had? Um, and why, why Berkeley? And, and what was it like in high school for you? Sorry, that's a lot of questions. I'm just so excited by the story. No, no. <laughs> These are great. So I grew up in San Jose in, in an apartment complex called Foxdale. And I remember, it was really awesome because it was this huge apartment complex, a bunch of other people similar, like Im- immigrants, and you'd run around and play with other kids. So that was really, really fun. It was in San Jose. And then growing up was was, was great. You know, I, my mom, like all parents or immigrant parents are really, really strict on school. So I remember, oh, my God, I had to do well in school. And when I came home, she, she would make me do math problems from some random textbook that I don't know where she found it. She would make me uh, write, find five words in the dictionary that I didn't know and write sentences about it. So I wrote, I had like extra homework at home. And so it was. <laughs> wow. Yes. And, and also because she's a single mom with raising three kids, she ran a very tight ship. And so my mom was really strict and uh, she made us do some, you know, a lot of chores and at the time, I was like, oh, I can't stand it. But honestly, looking back now, when I was in college, I started realizing, wow, I'm glad my mom made me do the dishes. I'm glad she made me vacuum and dust things and do X, Y, Z, because I was the cleanest one in my dorm room. I was the cleanest one in my roommates. <laughs> That's amazing. I can't say the same for myself at Berkeley, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, and uh, I, I, oh, I chose Berkeley because, okay, so, you know, I, I grew up, my mom was, was really strict, you know, she wanted the best for us, and looking back now, I, I really see that and appreciate it, and I love that, but, at, you know, at the time from high school, you know, you're rebellious, and you're like, oh, I can't, can't stand, you know, all these controls, so I wanted to go away for school, somewhere far, but... I wanted to be close enough to home where, you know, if I needed some help with laundry or I needed my hair cut, I can still go, you know, 40 minute drive and get some help. So that's why I, I went to Berkeley. And I'm glad I went to Berkeley because I met some really great lifelong friends there. And uh, I just think Berkeley is a great, amazing school because it, it's, it's like a camp. You, you know, you've been there. It's, it's so awesome. When you think of a, a, a college campus, dude, Berkeley is a city around a college right so you can walk everywhere you can do everything so it was an amazing experience yeah and it's it's an edgy place too right like everyone's accepted and yes. nobody's normal exactly yes actually okay so i never knew what entrepreneur was i didn't even know what that word meant and then i met someone a mentor of mine his name is mo he uh, he was doing his PhD in in Berkeley, and he started a company called C O S E E O, sold to Bosch. He's he's in the, uh, the the battery energy space. He's at QuantumScape right now, and he was an entrepreneur. I was like, whoa, what is an entrepreneur? What is this? And then he was so nice, so kind, so welcoming, and and took time to mentor and, and teach me. And I said, you know what? If Mo can do it, maybe I can do it. And so I think one of the great things about America is you see people that look like you who are from your same background that have gone to have done things that you never dreamed or thought were possible. And then you start thinking, oh, wow, if, if this person can do it like, and I'm similar to them, maybe I can do it, too. And so that's why I think that's one of the huge things about uh, about being in America. Yeah, that is, we've I've done a few episodes of this so far, and I agree. It's, it's really the only country in the world that I've been to where you can be anyone and feel at home. You can find your community. You can find similarities across people, across cultures. It's, and I, I, feel, I feel like it is still the best place in the, in the world to come if you want to build a, a great future, especially for your family. So maybe we should shift gears and talk about that a little bit. I mean, now you've been highly successful in your career working directly with Brian Chesky at Airbnb. You worked on an internal team that was optimizing things for various parts of Airbnb's products. And now you're building Mage. And maybe tell, tell me a little bit about or tell the audience about what it's like to be in America, you know, what you feel like the country does really well and what it what it needs to do and how easy it was for you to start a company here um, as, as an entrepreneur that had an idea. Yes. Yes. Let me share that. Let me, let me share some things that I think we, we do really well and then some things that we can improve on. So I think we, what we do really, really well here is I, actually this plays into, if we think of countries as, or, or environments in countries as like companies with differentiators, I think the biggest differentiator that is, very, very, very hard to duplicate or replicate uh, for, for America is the amount of different cultures we have and the, the mix of, of, uh, of backgrounds, of foods, of cultures, of people, of ways of thinking. And that is truly, Amer I feel like in my eyes, America's differentiator. I don't think there's not many places in the world where you get that much of a mix. And so that also kind of ties into some things that, you know, what aren't we doing as well or what we can do better of is, is 
the, the whole Im- immigration part, if we if we don't continue on this uh, our, our our trend of welcoming people in and, and mixing cultures and building up from there, I feel like eventually we'll become homogenous. And then just like anything, like a, like a gene pool, if you don't have different varieties of, of genes, you, you start having you know weaknesses and illnesses to different types of disease and things like that. And so I, I think America is, is really great for that. And also the government, there's a lot of great government uh, government programs. Like maybe for folks who who, who grow up uh, a little bit more well, well off, you, you don't know, or you're not exposed to some of these things. But I remember growing up, we were very poor, very, very, very poor. And, you know, we, we had, we, we were available to get lunch and food at school. We had help from the government to, for, for uh, subsidizing home. And then also going to school, none of that would have been impossible without really great, you know, federal and state programs. And so I think that I think that's something you know some people might underestimate, but it was it was huge. It was life changing for us. So those are those are some things, and you know I, I think are are we on the on a path uh, of are are we the greatest country? Well, for me, in my eyes, I, I believe so. And for for me at least, just because of how I grew up and where we came from, and I'm just so thankful for everything that's that's happened. And are, are we on a good path or not? You know, I'm an optimist, and I think our best days are ahead. So I still think we 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 still have a lot to grow and do. But uh, as as a team, as a country, as a as a people, we we can still do so much more. Yeah, I mean, I I do think Gagan Biani, the first guest that I had, who also is a Calum and founder of Unimi, he was saying. I give the United States a C minus for immigration, but I give everywhere else in the world an F, <laughs> which I think is the, is the, <laughs> oh, that's a the good best way to, say. to describe it. And, and uh, it's, it's interesting to see how it still is the best place, but we could be doing so much more. It is our competitive edge in the world, at least I believe. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe tell me a little bit about your, your experience so far at building mage and what it's been like being able to hire people that are outside of the u.s has it been difficult do you find that there's a lot of great talent here but weird inefficiencies in the way that our policy works preventing people from being hired i I, i'm asking this question as a leading question because i know the answer for your for your (laughs) co-founder yes okay so you do know that's that's so funny because you asked and i said oh wow this is a perfect question because uh, we have a perfect answer. So most <laughs> of our team were, are on visas, like TN visas or H-1B visas. And a lot of the people that we are talking to in terms of recruiting are also on that. So I, I can't imagine building a company without some, you know, without the government allowing that type of uh, uh, of work visas and, and working with people from, from different backgrounds. You know, the team I was also on at Airbnb were, Almost everybody there was was on also a visa, and so I can't imagine great company. How wow. how do any of these great companies build themselves without talent from outside? And, and so I just think that would be nearly impossible. Yeah, I mean it's it's quite interesting, and we've only reduced the amount of visas that we offer to top talent in the past ten years. It's it's such a shame. I mean, I feel like we could be doing so much more to allow people like you and your co-founders to start a company in the United States. I mean, and, and it's, it was a struggle to get everyone's visas converted over from what I remember. And that, that's just a shame. 
Um, but do you think since the pandemic has happened that this could be a sort of a way or, or cause people to not come to the U.S. as often because they can work remotely? Or do you think people are still going to come to the U.S. with, with hopes of, of building a life like you and your, your family have? I, from, from, from the people that I know and talk to, people still want to come here. Absolutely. Even yeah. if you work remotely, for them, working remotely in the U.S., would be, they would desire that more than just... That would be ideal. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Because even if you work some, for a co- company in the U.S. or not, just being here, you know, I, I shared about some of the, the pros is, is the ecosystem, the talent density, the infrastructure, the people, the food, the culture, the activities. That's things that you just can't recreate overnight. It takes decades to create that. And, and the, the also the, the type of acceptance that, that you get because America has been doing it for so long. So, you know, you're not like a fish out of water. I remember when I traveled to some other countries, I love traveling. I love it. It's, it's amazing. It opens up your mind, but also you, you sometimes are a fish out of water because it's very homogenous. And then you're like the only person or kind of your kind there. And right. so, uh, you know, being in America, it's, it's really awesome to just, you get a taste of the whole world there. And, and maybe, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe you are, uh, experiencing the, I don't know, this sounds a, a little too much, but you, you get a, a taste of the world and the people of the world when you are surrounded with them here. Right. No, totally. Totally. And, and it's, it's also great to see the, the amount of new companies that are being built in Silicon Valley. From what I can tell, we have so many immigrant founders coming to the, to the U S coming to the U S but one of the things that frustrates me and would love your thoughts on this is that we now have two sort of extreme sides that seem to be gaining traction in the United States. One is a very radical right, which is wants to keep immigrants out, believes that the U.S. should go back to the way that it was before there were, you know, we had a lot of a lot of immigrants come to the United States um, and want a more homogenous sort of culture. And then there's the the uh, the left, which I, I definitely lean more towards that you know, wants to allow anyone to come into the country, but at the same time seems to be hell-bent on taxing people like crazy and making, you know, reducing the reward for people going through hardship to come here and build a company from scratch. And I just don't feel like I'm alone and that I want something where we provide a lot of incentives for people to build great companies and we welcome top talent with open arms. And what do you think? Like, why, why aren't, more people talking about this, how there is no political side for that, um, you know, that Silicon Valley minority, it feels like more and more. So I, I, I firmly believe that America was built and continues to thrive because of the various backgrounds and thought and minds from all over the world. And if we shift away from that, there we, I don't know if there's even going to be a coming back from that, right? Because it, it feels like once you, what it, it's a, it will become a vicious cycle when you when you become a place a, a place that's no longer a destination where people where you say you know what uh, we don't want you don't want you, people you can't come here and then people don't want to, then like imagine what it would take to even reverse that. I think that's a very scary. Uh, direction to yeah. go, and, and I, I just hope we never go there. Now, uh, to your point about you know incentivizing in- individuals, I think if if we if we don't incentivize 
immigrants, people from different backgrounds to create value, somebody else will. Somebody else will capture that. And it's happening already. Uh, people, other, yeah. other countries are incentivizing people. I, I forgot where, but some, some country during the COVID said, oh, we'll pay for you to relocate all your talent. Like, oh, here, we'll do everything, right? And so <laughs> other people. Yeah, Dubai was doing that. And so was Abu Dhabi for a while. You could go and work there and apply for citizenship. It, I, I wonder how effective it was. But those are the kinds of things that can lead to what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, there's compounding f- effects that happen when you start incentive, when you start being, if some places even more welcoming, okay, more people come, then then they start having incentives, so then more people come and more people build. So if more people build and come, more people will come and build, and then it just creates this virtuous cycle. And then, and then the places <laughs> that, oh, it's, it's like this, you know, when, when some place like was super developed, and then everything leaves and it's under, underdeveloped, then, then that becomes like a stain and, and no one wants to go there. And then no one wants to even try to revive it because they think, Oh, it's bad luck. Or, you know what? Everybody tried, look where it's at. You don't want to bet on like a, on a, on a losing, on a lost horse. Right. And you better bet on like a new horse. And so when I think of horses, it's like countries or, or, or places. And so if we go to a place where we're, we're in a place where, Hey, you know what? We're no longer that destination. I don't think it'll be tough to invest and to make America a destination again when it was deemed no longer a good destination. Yeah, this is something that um, you know, Sachs was, David Sachs was talking about as negative network effects, where you know you can go the opposite way. People can leave, and then as their friends leave and their networks leave, ultimately there's just this this loss of value very quickly. Similar to what happened to MySpace and social networking. The same thing can happen to cities, can happen to countries. I think we're far away from that. But at the same time, I think if we don't continue to make, you know, the country a great place for immigrants to come, people people will just stop coming. And then we'll have, you know, a brain drain of ourselves, of our own. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, if, if opportunity leaves here, you know, even the people that were probably here their whole lives and, you know, you just you just follow opportunity and people who may have just wanted to imagine themselves living here for the rest of their lives and never leaving. I, I've seen, you know, that that can happen. And it's 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 not good. And I, I hope we stay very far away from that. <laughs> Me too. Well, anyway, this this has been super awesome, uh, uh, Tommy. I thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, congrats on uh, announcing your financing today. And really excited about the future of Mage. I wanted to keep the topic here about you and about your background, but um, it's it's really amazing to see you continue f- continuing to fight, continuing to build great companies, and and really uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you succeed in the future. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to leave with the audience? Uh, advice for immigrants, advice for people like you or who have gone through hardship. Uh, that want to build companies, what what would you advise someone that's maybe 10 years younger than you right now? Oh, well, it's funny that you asked that question because I actually thought about it. I've been thinking about this and I've, I've thought about it some time ago and I was just thinking about it yesterday. Is one thing, help as many people as you can, no matter what. Even if you think you'll never see them again, help them without expectation of return. And, and you'll see, give it five, 10 years, even a couple of years, you will have no idea how much 
help or how how many lives it will change. It's it's generational because but you, you spend 30 minutes with somebody that can transform their lives, their lives get transformed and it, it's a ripple. They transform the lives around them and then the lives around them. And then that eventually transforms your life. So one one sentence, help as many people as you can. That's a great message. Thank you so much, Tommy. Really appreciate you coming on the show. And um, uh, if you want to follow Tommy on Twitter, look out for him. Um, and we'll continue to see Mage succeed. Thank you so much, Tommy. Thank you, Darian. Thank you, everyone. See ya. Awesome.